Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Cowboy Red, Nottingham Forest head to Manchester City on Saturday. So we'll discuss team selection, tactics and realistic hopes against the Premier League champions. We'll also discuss two years of Steve Cooper in the company of, first of all, Michael Temple. Temps, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Two years of Steve Cooper. Geez, gone by in the blink of an eye, hasn't it? But yeah, the best two years I've had as a Forest fan. Yeah, absolutely. Same for me. Same for me. Same for you, Emily Anderson. Definitely. It feels like we've never not had him, actually. You say it's gone by the blink of an eye, but I can't imagine life without Steve Cooper now. Oh, gosh. You'll be sad the day he goes. Yes. OK. <laughs> well, well, that's for a conversation for another day. Um, let's start talking about Man City. As usual, we have got um, the graphics for the teams that we've picked. We'll talk around those and team selections. First of all, though, Emily, realistic goals and hopes for the for the game? Man City are currently the best team in the world, aren't they? So we go into this game at the Etihad hoping to come out with our heads held high, whether that be a 3-0 loss, a draw, sneaking a win, highly unlikely. I had a look at who was, which was the last team to beat Man City in the Etihad in the Premier League and you have to go back to November last year, Brentford uh, were the last team to beat them in the Prem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, realistic hopes... Who knows? We just, it's a free hit, isn't it? And I know people won't like me saying that it's a free hit because we have to go into every game thinking that we can get something out of it and it would be great to get something out of it. But, um, you know, if we lose, better teams than us have lost there. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, as you'll see from my team selection, I'm going to go in all defensive and hope to beat them on the break. Yeah, I think free hit doesn't really apply to many games, Temps, but the, perhaps out of all 38 games, this is the one where, where it really does. How are you seeing it? We're a different proposition to what we were last season when we went there and got turned over. We've we've also got to give ourselves immense credit for the manner in which we've played against Arsenal, Chelsea and Man United on the road. And Arsenal are going to prove themselves to be there or thereabouts this year. I've got a very different theory about the trajectory of Man United and, and Chelsea at the moment. We were causing problems for teams that blitzed us last year. And the most important thing for me, this is a new chapter at Forest. This is life after Brennan Johnson. This is moving away from the right-hand side being the sole focal point of our attack. This is Morgan Gibbs-White in the hole with two minders and three willing runners and a completely different setup, an effective number nine. And for all the challenges at Chelsea and Man United, we've just got to get a couple of centre-halves back in the side. I wouldn't swap our problems for the problems that teams that are far more established in the Premier League have. I agree with Emily. I think Man City are currently the best club side in the world. And because of that, I think we should pick a team and, for want of a better phrase, have a bit of a training session that's going to allow us to kick on in these games we've got coming up in October, which are all extremely winnable. Massive respect for Manchester City. Forest have to be inward looking, though. Concentrate on what we're trying to do, what we're trying to achieve. We saw shoots of it on Monday night with that setup, with that back four, with the inclusion of Sangare, with the performance of the wide boys. So much to look forward to. I don't attach too much meaning to the result of this. But bear in mind, this time last year, 
we went to Man City. I think we had Jesse Lingard, Morgan Gibbs-White and Brennan Johnson up top and we played long ball. We've come a long way since then. True. We got absolutely slaughtered that day. Um, yeah, good morning to people who are joining us live. Uh, Jay, Charlie, Sean, Tom, Stephen, uh, Lee, Simon, etc., etc. Good to have you with us. Let's get into um, some team graphics then, because it always leads into extending the conversation. We'll start with Emily's because I do think it's the most um, close to what we'll actually see on the day, and then we'll look at mine and Temps's. So I'll put Emily's on the screen and then read it for the benefit of people listening on iTunes, Spotify, etc., etc., um, Matt Turner in goal, back three of Worrell, Bolly, Niakate, uh, Aina and Tavares as wing-backs, a three in midfield of Yates, Sangare and Mangala, and then Gibbs-White in behind Awanyi. Emily, just talk us through your thinking and then I'll pick out a couple of names. Yeah, as much as I know we, we don't like going back to the back five, I think unless we want to get completely turned over, we have to have a back five with Nia Carty and Bolly supporting Worrell. I thought Aina played really well when he went over to the right on Monday and assuming that Oreo is still injured, I would put him in there. And Tavares hasn't really done, I mean, he hasn't done much really, but he hasn't done much wrong either. We have to start Yatesy. I think that was a mistake not to start him on Monday. Every team should have Ryan Yates in at the moment. Um, Sangari, I'm hoping that maybe he can up his game against a better opposition. Mangala's a safe pair of hands, isn't he? Um, Gibbs White and a one I wanted to get Callum Hudson Odoi in because of obviously he did so well on Monday night, but I feel like he's a bit of a luxury against Man City and maybe he comes on as a sub along with a langer as the game wears on. So very defensive lineup. I feel like, yes, you know, um, Temp said this is a training opportunity, but I think Steve Cooper hopefully won't be thinking a bit like that. He's going into this game thinking he wants to get something out of it. And I think this lineup is the best chance of doing that. Uh, let me ask you about a couple of players then. Uh, Felipe is not in there still. Would he be in if uh, fully fit and available? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, there's obviously caveats to this because we don't know who is and isn't coming back in. And I would put Felipe definitely back in. But my worry is, who do I take out? Um, possibly Worrell, actually. Um, yeah, so you'd have Neocarte, Bolly and, and Felipe. But I, I can't see Felipe starting because we know he's got niggles and he's he's getting on a bit, isn't he? So I can't see him starting on Saturday. Uh, one other player I'll ask you about, probably Sangare. I mean, he's so key that I think... He's going to play a lot of football this year, but he was absolutely gassed on Monday night. Is there any temptation just to rest him and save him so he's 100% for Brentford or not? I think he needs the minutes, actually, because you could see from Monday um, it, it came across as being disinterested. But I'm wondering whether he just he just needs to get up to speed. So the more minutes he can get, the better for me. Um, and maybe this is the game where he can really up his tempo and actually show us what he can do. He need he needs to try and be in charge of that defensive line and sweeping up all those loose balls. So, yeah, I, I have no hesitation. He, he needs to start. So, while I think that will be the team, we'll have a look at mine's next because I'm just going to save Tempses for last because it's more, more fun than mine. Uh, mine's slightly contrarian just to do something different, but I would like to see this team, certainly more against Brentford, so it could be a build-up for it. Uh, I'll read it out again. For listeners, not viewers, uh, Matt Turner in goal, not obviously not done anything wrong to keep the shirt. Aurier, uh, Worrell, Niakate, and Aina at the back. Uh, Aurier, if fit, of course. Yates, Sangare, and Mangala as a three in midfield. And then uh, three in attack, although really we know Gibbs White and Hudson Adoy would drop deeper in support of the midfield. And then a one knee up front. Uh, anyone, either of you, got any questions or thoughts on that one? 
I just think that the mission now is to get Gibbs White into this number 10 role and work around him. I just think the days of him being asked to play off the right, play off the left, are, are probably firmly behind us. That's the reason we've signed Sangare. That's the reason why we're having all this debate about the mix of centre-halves, because it's just that, mo that much more important when there's two of them rather than three. Um, interesting that you've uh, both elected to take out the pace of Alanga, which has allowed, it, allowed us to counter-attack and score the goal that we scored um, against Chelsea. I think that's a real threat if we are going to camp and look to play with the scraps, um, mm -hmm. concede the ball and get uh, and move, uh, move the ball quickly on the counter. I think in this scenario, the challenge I would have if we were going to set up, as, as you guys have suggested, is that Alanga's pace becomes more important and you've decided to leave him out. Yeah, the problem about Alanga is that he he felt a bit lost on Monday, and he were I I I think at the moment he's better as a sub coming on. I totally take your point, Temps, but I just think, yeah, he didn't quite cut it on Monday, and I know it's a totally different proposition, different opposition. So yeah, I see your point. Yeah, you're right, Emily. What what I wanted to see more from him on Monday night was going around the outside. So far too many times I felt he he came into the traffic, ran back into centre mid when he could have gassed his fullback, got to the byline and, and fed Taiwo more. So I, I think that's a, a coaching point rather than a, um, an inefficiency in his game. He pinned his ears back plenty in the first few matches, but he was hesitant to, to get down the outside uh, on Monday night. And, uh, but perhaps with that um, brief, having sat down and watched the vid, he could be a bit of a, a weapon in this game. And as you'll see, he's in my side. Um, and I, I do think he's probably earmarked to start this weekend, regardless of the system that Cooper plays. Matt, I've got a question for you. Why have you gone for a back four against Man City? Well, I haven't really. I'd pick your team, but I'm picking something <laughs> contrarian. But if I was doing a back four, uh, something different, and if we were playing a back four, then I'd have a three-man midfield yeah. for a bit more uh, protection. On Ilango, it was interesting on Monday. I thought it was the first time we saw perhaps why United sold him, because his end product is a bit lacking if you put him in a traditional sense of get the ball out to the winger, uh, and take the full back on. If he's not like sprinting up the pitch when there's a broken field uh, and he's just hitting an area, then he's great. But that bit of end product quality was lacking. And we saw with Hudson Adoy that he looked a bit more polished. So he drove into the box. He tried to pick a pass a bit more. And I do think that Hudson Adoy is someone that Cooper's going to be wrapping his arms around and playing a lot. So um, maybe in this game, in this instance, actually, I do think it'll just be Gibbs White and a one year who start as attackers. But I think hudson Adoy is going to overtake Elanga probably in the longer term. Uh, and the other I thing I was going to say was, um, like Emily, if Felipe's fit, he'd be uh, in my team in a back four uh, with Nia Kate and leaving Worrell out in this instance. If it's a three, then I might still leave Worrell out as well, actually, because I don't think Bolly's done anything wrong. And in a game where you need a pure defender, that's fine. Although I do think Worrell's the best passer of the three. And we saw on Monday his, ball, his work on the ball is significantly better and Scott McKenna's. And Scott McKenna's not done anything wrong particularly, but I think it's time for Nia Kate to come back into this team. I was surprised he didn't start uh, in the last one, so I think it is time for him to, to come in. Right. And we do that pace, don't we, at the back as well, actually, um, which clearly McKenna hasn't got, and he'd probably be the first person to say that. We need um, it against Haaland, and I think we need it against um, Doku as well. And I haven't seen that much of him, but I know he's absolutely yeah, rapid. Yeah, I watched the highlights the other night, and he scares me. 
Yeah, he played it for Wren against us, didn't he, in pre-season and murdered us. So, yeah, I can see him, okay. him playing. And obviously Foden scares the life out of me as well. A Most bit of, be uh, yeah, they're so good. Look at Al, Alvarez as well. I haven't even got De Bruyne, but they you know, so good all over the team. Foden's in my FPL team, so I sort of <laughs> could do with him doing something, but hoping he doesn't because if he <laughs> turns it on, um, yeah, it's going to be a long afternoon for us, certainly. Let's have a look at Temps' team then. Uh, and I'll scroll through the comments to see what people are saying. Um, actually, I'm just having a quick scroll now. I think people prefer your team, Emily, uh, having a quick look at it. We'll come back to that. Temps, let's have a look at this. Absolutely sensational. 4-2-3-1, but really it's a 4-5-1, you're going to tell us. So I'll read it out and then you can uh, defend yourself because I think the people will, will... Well, perhaps people like it. Perhaps people like the attacking attempt. Turner in goal, uh, back four, Aina Worrell near Kate Tavares. Yates and Sangare sitting in front of the back four with Elanga, Gibbs-White, Hudson-Odoi and a one So it's basically the, the setup that we saw against Burnley on Monday night. What, what are your thoughts behind this absolute kamikaze affair? Well, you've called this my casino 11 and it would certainly represent a bit of a risk. But I'm not looking at the Man City game when I'm picking this side. I'm looking to the, the three fixtures on the other side of that against Brentford, Crystal Palace and Luton. Well, I, I think we'll get seven to nine points. We have to go into that game knowing how to play, knowing the setup, know how we're going to absorb their spell because every team will have that and we need to come out fighting, establish, establish a, a foothold on the game, enjoy possession and get used to this, this new chapter I've described it, life after Brennan, life with Sangare and life with the ball. We're not going to... I'm not doing this because I think we can go toe-to-toe with Man City. I'm doing this because I think if we are going to become a possession side, if we are going to take that next step and become a mid-table side, we're going to do it by scoring more goals than we have been historically. And that means having these creative players in the side with two minders in Yates and Sangare. I don't, if, if my sole objective was to get past Man City or, or if this was a cup fixture, this is not the side I would pick. But I'm taking a medium-term view. I think we're going to emerge from this next period of four games in a, in a better position than we find ourselves in now. I'm sure I'm getting hammered in the comments. But the, <laughs> reason I'm, the reason I'm going with Elanga, Gibbs-White and Hudson-Odoi in this, in this side is because I think that's how we're going to set up for the next three games and game time is precious. You've got a few supporters, not many. I mean, my question would be... Thanks, Mum. <laughs> what if, and it's the very realistic scenario, what if we ship six or seven goals? What's the, implement, what's the knock-on effect of that going into Brentford? Look, we're still going to play with, with a low block. And as we saw on Monday, 4-5-1 slash 4-3-3 can be whatever you like in and out of possession. And the days of rigid formation are long gone. This is dynamic. This is stretched when we get the ball, stretched when Turner has the ball in his hands and very, very compact when we're being run out by that Man City midfield. who have so many people that can pick a pass, so many people that can hurt you from distance. It's a genuinely frightening prospect before you even look at Alvarez and Haaland, who are the most active um, strike partnership in the, in the Premier League at this time. So Gibbs White's a willing runner. Alanga and Hudson Odoi would have to help the fullbacks um, in this system. I've injected Yates for energy. I'll say it again: not our best player, but one of our most important players. Didn't have his, his be- the best of times on on Monday night. But that is a side that can resist pressure. And if it's five three two, 
five four one three five two you're still going to have two banks on the edge of your 18 yard box trying to keep man city at bay so yeah that's why i'm taking a trip to the casino uh and i think we'll be the better for it when we come into this this run of games which for me is going to prove that we can mix it as a mid-table side uh, let's put a couple of comments i mean actually you do have supporters just to just to prove it all these people can't be related to you so um there you go lots of people do so you see, uh, quite a few people visionaries visionaries a lot of them <laughs> no it's fair enough i'm just gonna put the team back up and maybe ask you about a couple of individuals um I, I, obviously matt turner's gonna play in this game is there a feeling temps that he's gonna do enough to hold off uh his challenger or not yeah, we're waiting for him to make a mistake, aren't we? It's almost inevitable that the new signing is, is going to get a chance at, at some stage. But Matt Turner is, to a point, um, disproving my early season assertion that he would probably be behind um, Navas and Henderson in my pecking order. I think he's been rock solid uh, on Monday night, made a really important save first half. I've made my comments about his command of the six-yard box after the Man United corner and one or two other instances. But he's he's good on the ground. He's got decent hands and his distribution hasn't let him down to this point. Genuine scrap between those two. I think there's a cigarette paper between them. But inevitably, when he has a bad trot or an incident, which he hasn't yet, um, the Greek fellow will come in and we've got a genuine competition for for that place there. Yeah, Vlakodimos, uh, Odysseus Vlakodimos, I should say. Yeah, I do. I, I asked about him because this is the kind of game where he's going to be so busy. If he has a rick, it kind of opens the door a bit. But I do think he's done really well so far. And I thought he was uh, pretty faultless against Burnley. Made a really good save in the first half as well. Um, Nuno Tavares as uh, a left back, question marks against his defending. We've seen very little of him so far, but, but what have you made of him? Well, look, before I talk about Tavares, let me just mention Montiel. And I'm not in the habit of bagging players, as, as everybody knows. But if he was 10 games into his Forest career on Monday night, there's a case that says he could have been dragged after 30 minutes. It wasn't going from in possession. He got caught out of possession a couple of times, which led to um, Joe being on an island with the 19-year-old winger, who was, who was always going to do him for pace. I thought that Montiel looked a, a, a little bit out of sorts is the wrong word. He looked, he looked disorganised. And it's going to take time to assimilate these players into that side. I think it was 56 minutes when Cooper made the switch, chucked Aina to right back, dragged Montiel and, and brought on Tavares. But I thought that was when we looked um, more solid, players uh, more assimilated with the, with the centre-halves. And I was just slightly less concerned. So... I wonder if Cooper may well start with the fullbacks that finish the game rather than start the game because he needs far more time on the training pitch with Montiel. Uh, and last one I'll ask you about quickly. We had our discussion about Gibbs White on Monday. I would most certainly play him into, I'm not even saying he's out of form, play him into attacking form like uh, Cooper did with Brennan around this time last season before he got going. Um, quite a few people in the comments sort of saying he should be rested, dropped, or however you want to put it. Uh, what's your take on Gibbs-White this season? This is Morgan Gibbs-White's team now. And there'd be various debates um, in and around the city ground last year about who was our most important player. Was it Brennan Johnson? Um, was it Morgan Gibbs-White? We got a lot of money for Brennan Johnson, but it wasn't too far away from what we paid for Gibbs-White, all told, if the success clauses are included in that. I think for a long time, we've been trying to find a way to get him into his best position and needs must at certain times. He's been having to play off the left. What we want him to do is get between the lines, 
playing the number 10 spot, have willing runners off him, and people like Yates, Sangare, Danilo, Mangala, whoever it might be, that can um, do his running, hold their shape, and allow him to, yeah, to drift, to go missing, to cheat a bit, to, to take a risk. So make no mistake, all of the signings we've made and the shape that we're trying to establish, the glimpse of what we saw on Monday night, is to have Morgan Gibbs-White as the fulcrum of this side. He didn't have the best of times on Monday night, but let's, let's see after 10 games in that spot how influential he can be. I don't even necessarily think he's ever going to be a 10-goal a season man, but I think he could be a 15, 16, 17, 18 assist a season man if he fires, if he has the right protection in place, and if Hudson-Odoi, Mangala and Taiwo in particular um, can, can find goal-scoring form. He's, he's going to be so, so important for us in this transition from back-foot team to front-foot team. Um, Emily, any worries for you about us going and sitting so deep like we did against Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United? I know West Ham beat Brighton, played really well and won at Brighton. And they tried the same tactics against Man City and Man City could have scored six goals in that game. Is there any part of you that thinks actually Temps is, uh, you know, take it to them a bit more is perhaps the way to go in this one? I really like Temps's team and I think in an ideal world we, we would go with that. My only worry with that team is you're talking about it being a training match but realistically we're going to get minimal possession so where are these runners going to get to have their moment because Man City will just take the ball off us like they do every time and with Man City yes we could try and hit them on the break like I said but actually don't you think with Man City they could go one, two, three goals behind you still feel like they'll win the game and they always seem to have another gear whether you think they're in fifth gear, they've got another one. So, you know, whatever setup we go in in this game, it depends how Man City want to play on Saturday. They will dictate the pace. They will dictate possession. We know that. And like I say, if we come out with anything from that game, brilliant. And I would love to see the likes of Alanga, Hudson-Odoi, Gibbs-White, Awani all on the pitch together. But in reality, that ain't going to happen. And if it does, they still won't get the ball anyway. Uh, as there are 300 plus people watching, so I'll do my usual appeal like and subscribe very much appreciated if you can. Temps, let me throw a ray of hope uh, to fans uh, who are thinking we're going to get slaughtered. City are missing, I think Grealish might miss out. Bernardo Silva's injured, Kovacevic is injured, a few others. So that you know, players who he likes to rotate and rest, like uh, Alvarez with De Bruyne missing, obviously, as well. Foden, they all played in the Champions League. So any hope that maybe we catch them, you know, at a slightly better time, if there's ever a good time to play them? Well, whoever's missing, which 50-cap international are they going to bring in to replace them? Mm. That's, that's the, the luxury that Pep Guardiola has. This is a, a mature set of players with 20 transfer windows of refinement, unlimited Abu Dhabi wealth behind them. And I'll criticise them a little bit. You can still pay 40 quid cash and go and watch a Champions League game at their ground because their their support is not as long established as as some of the clubs at the the very top. That doesn't take away from the the players in that squad who I enjoy watching, um, who have redefined the style of football with which you can win the Premier League, the dominance you can assert on um, the the best football league um, in the world. So, no. I don't think that they will suffer from having played a midweek Champions League match. There are plenty of players on the periphery of their squad, which would get into the starting 11 of almost every other team in the Premier League. And yeah, they need to have an off day. 
and we need to play out of our skin if we're going to get something from this. The basic premise, are we going to score more goals than Man City typically over 90 minutes? Probably not. So, yeah, draw is the is the best we can hope for in my view. But you use the game time wisely because around the corner are three very winnable games. Mm-hmm. Um, could Tyro be the one? I mean, it's an old school centre half uh, thing as the striker, Emily. But could Tyro be the one just to unsettle? I guess it'll be Diaz or someone like that. But you know, get about them, make it hard. We've seen Tyro do that against Arsenal and Liverpool, and he's going to give you know players a tough time at least, isn't he? Yeah, he's an entirely different prospect to what he was this time last year. Um, he got a lot of criticism, didn't he, for probably not being what we thought it was going to be. But as we know now, you wouldn't you wouldn't have a team without a one year. Yeah, maybe he's the player. I also think maybe Chris Wood as well might be might be the one to come on after 80 minutes and maybe pop the winner in. The, the one thing I want to say about Man City as well, um, from the West Ham game, did you see the amount of chances they had that they didn't convert? It's mm. terrifying how many chances they get in a game. Um, I'm just hoping Haaland plays like he did then and possibly against us at the city ground and then maybe we, we, we stand a chance. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It is mad that Haaland's had two games this season where he's missed a hatful of chances yeah. and he's still got a load of goals. Sheffield United away, West Ham away, and he's still yeah. like miles ahead of one. West Ham, wasn't he? And he's still got the goal. And I, I think I counted. He, he, I mean, he could have happily got a double hat-trick mm. again against West Ham and that that's the terrifying thing isn't it those chances that they create we are going to have to be on the money we are going to have to be 100% concentrating more than we ever have and I do think Forrest are quite good at that because it's those bigger teams isn't it where we actually um we're disciplined we stick to our position we concentrate and it is the likes of Burnley Sheffield United that are the potential banana skins for us so maybe we take hope from that that our players Steve Cooper is going to make sure they are 100% on it on Saturday I enjoyed Pep's little soundbite in his Champions League press conference where he just gave a little reminder to the world that we've we've won two Champions Leagues, as he put it. There is history at our place. I think that was a little motivation, a little reminder to his team that they, they haven't built a dynasty yet. They missed out and frustrated in their pursuit of Champions League glory for a long time. Won it last year. Can, can they go back to back as we did? I just thought it was amusing, an amusing little soundbite from, from Pep. Um, I read to remind the world that and I wondered whether he had his tongue in his cheek as he said that, but he looked quite sincere actually, didn't he? Well, well I think so- look, I think his his problem, Emily, is we've described it earlier. He has to motivate these players and stop them thinking they're gonna go, go out and steamroll teams every single week because um even the even the best teams come come unstuck. But you know, the classic the, the Jordan Bulls or whoever in particular playoff runs are just relentless. Motivating that team to be hungry to win week after week after week after week is is really really tough and you can't you can't just do it by the arousing speech at 10 to 3 um on a on a saturday so i think pep's just always trying to find new ways to make sure that he gets a committed performance from a team that you know know they are better than most of the opposition that they face uh, if people, well, people can be the judge for themselves now. Here, I've got the clip, so I'll just play it in. Uh, I wasn't going to do that, but while Temp was talking, I uploaded it quickly. So uh, here you go. See if uh, Pep was tongue in cheek or not. We have uh, Nottingham Forest, two Champions League winners. So this is it. have one more Champions League than us. So this is the truth. I'm not joking. Huh? I could see you rocking that drum for Temps as well. Bit of a turtleneck. Yeah, well, I've, I've got a turtleneck, mate. Don't tempt me. I might pull that in for a Christmas special or something. 
Uh, right, let's move on and talk about uh, two years of Steve Cooper for the last um, five or ten minutes or so. What will you say about it, Emily? What, what, uh, actually, what, what did you think was going to happen when he came in? Let's start off with that. What, what were you expecting? Well, we couldn't have been in a worse position, could we? I was already preparing for life in League One. Um, I went to that last awful game of Hewton's. And I'm very much, I support the manager until I know otherwise. So I was gutted for Hewton, knew it was the right decision. And when Steve Cooper's name came up, I knew he was on gardening leave at Swansea at the time, wasn't he? I was very much, yeah, whatever, we'll take him, see what happens. He'll probably be gone within a couple of months anyway. Um, and little did we know what he'd do for our club. Um, in my lifetime, the only time I can remember it being any better is when Brian Clough was at the helm. Um, in his latter years and I really enjoyed that and I think that for me as a as a I was sort of at the the end of Brian Clough's era I think Steve Cooper's eclipsed that for me because he's taken us as we know and we say all the time don't we he's just taken us on a journey that we never thought would be possible two years ago um he's not only brought us to the Premier League but he seems to have galvanized our city He's galvanised a fan base. He genuinely loves Forest, and you can see that. He's he's all in, and he said that, hasn't he? He's all in. And he said the other night, you know, he knows after two years of being in charge, the paranoia kicks in because he, he's been here for a relatively long time with regards to managers in today's day and age. But I can't thank that man enough for what he's done. And you can see the respect he's got the players. You can see the reason why we've got the likes of Hudson-Odoi and Alanga in is because they respect him as a coach. You can see how he works. Um, and I just hope he can continue to build. Maranakis has said, hasn't he, we, we shouldn't be complacent. We shouldn't be happy with losing. We shouldn't be happy with getting a draw. We should be in the top half of the table. We currently are. We probably won't stay that for the rest of the season. We, we might surpass expectations. But this is down to Cooper. He is at the centre of all of this and my fear is if results don't go our way he gets sacked we get a big foreign coach in is he going to have that same ethos that Cooper's got I don't know and that scares me because I know as well as you do Cooper's not going to be here forever but I dread that day when he finally goes. Mm. And one of the things about Cooper attempts is obviously we get a little bit of a crack of the window behind the scenes and know a little bit about what happens I mean he's more than just the football manager on and on the pitch and off the pitch with his players. I mean, he's in and around the whole club. And like Emily says, he's galvanised the, the whole football club as much as one man can. And obviously we're grateful for the money Evangelos Maranakis has put in and the backing. But Steve Cooper has really reunited the, the whole club from what was a very low ebb, hasn't he? Well, what do you think his brief was when he walked in there at the back end of the Hooton era and we were where we were after that those first seven, eight games in the Championship? He was there to stave off the threat of relegation. And... You go back and listen to some of the things we were saying at the time and trying to plead for calm. And you know, Greg will tell you he had an early inkling that Steve Cooper would get us promoted. But we were all thinking, just get, get to mid-table obscurity and, and, and go again. And maybe Maranakis is right. That mindset has to evolve. And I think it has now. The expectation is coming through, which is why there's a, there's a handful, still a handful of Forest fans that are, are somewhat anti-Cooper. But there is absolutely no basis for that. He inherited a team, bottom of the championship. He galvanised some players that were already there, but weren't playing anywhere near their potential. He gets young people. The manner in which he communicates ideas, beliefs, tactics to 19, 20, 21-year-old lads, I think is unsurpassed in the Premier League. He's relatively inexperienced as well. I think he's had five or six seasons as a, a manager in the top two tiers of, of English football. So... 
we're seeing him improve. We're seeing him become worldly wise, but we're also seeing him work now with a, a set of players that are more of his design, that are, are more in the mould of how he wants to play. But most importantly, during that transition between championship side and squad of players able to compete in the Premier League, he found a way to keep us in there. And that's it. In the first season, by any means, avoid the trapdoor, grow from there. His brief has changed immeasurably from avoid relegation to League One to cling on to the coattails of the, the mid-table in the Premier League. The pressure is of his own making because of the pace that we've gone through the gears. And like Emily, I hope there are many more seasons to come of progress with him at the helm. And Temps makes a good point there, Emily, about working with young people. I mean, we see, I think, managers like Mourinho, Conte, I'd probably add Ten Hag into that bracket, the way they seem to deal with people. I think that's a slightly dying breed, potentially. Now you have people like um, Cooper, Arteta, Postacoglu, I love. I think he's fantastic. One of Cooper's great strengths is it fits in with modern football, whether we like it or not, is he knows how to communicate with young players who are very different to young players of even 15, 20 years ago. Well, we see players, don't we, now in our team that fell out of favour at their original club, probably because they didn't have that arm around the shoulder or the tough love or whatever it is that Steve Cooper gives them. They come here and they flourish. Morgan Gibbs-White is a perfect example of that. We've only seen flashes of Alanga, but he's already said in an interview he feels like his shackles are off. He feels like he can actually play here. And who's that because of? It's because of Steve Cooper. Hudson-Odoi made his debut, scored a goal, because he was probably given the freedom to do that, the freedom to have a shot from the edge of the box. There aren't many managers like him anymore. You're absolutely right. It is a, it is a dying breed. And whatever he does, whatever he's got, you just want to bottle it, don't you? Because he he's making players that are doing very little, like I say, in their original clubs and they're coming here and they're playing well. well we saw what he did with the England under-17s, I think it was. He, you know, he galvanised them to a, to a victory. So... Yeah, long may it continue. And I'm a huge well, fan, by the way, as well. And Postacoglu. I think he's great, yeah. I mean, if Cooper wasn't manager, I'd want Postacoglu. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. One question mark against Cooper attempts is tactically, people say he's too conservative. I would completely reject that personally. I think it's based on the players and personnel we had last season. We weren't too conservative at the start and we were attacking in the championship generally, although it was counter-attacking. And also that England of the 17s team he had were absolute mavericks and they were all out attack and won a World Cup. Do you think Cooper, excuse me, has now got the wherewithal to make, you know, a more adventurous team? I mean, he certainly tried on Monday, didn't he? Yeah, of course he has. I mean, I've spoke before about the insight we had from that Filippo um, Giraldi interview where he recounted a conversation with Cooper where they decided to abandon their footballing principles and, and play with the, the low block. Uh, after the the the, um, the the international break, the enforced elongated international break last year, came back and made themselves hard to beat at the expense of a, a, a bit of adventure. So you have to have these methods in your toolkit. You can't be a one-size-fits-all manager when you're a mid-table Premier League team. It's probably easier for the bottom five who consistently play low block and try to scrap. It's easier still for the top five who play expansive football and just, just try to batter everyone into submission. But when, when you're in and around the middle and you have to adapt your tactical approach, when you're kind of against teams who you deem to be better than you, 
and teams that you think you should be seeing off, that's that's when you need two, three, four systems. I think Steve, Steve Cooper's got that. He's had to make errors to get there, both in selection and setup. The reason we got to the run of form we, we found at the end of last season was because we'd used trial and error to rule in and rule out several centre-back partnerships, several blends in midfield and the blend out wide. And he's now in a, in a position with, with all of that behind him. He knows his players well. He's addressed weaknesses in the squad. What does he want to do? He wants to play four at the back, have more possession and get everything through Morgan Gibbs-White. We're not going to see that on Saturday. This is my, the key point I want to make today. We are going to see that against Brentford, Palace and Luton. Mm, true. Uh, Gordon mentions De Zerbi in the comments as well. I mean, he's obviously an outstanding manager. I think he's so good that people think every manager should be like that and uh, every club can be like Brighton and they can't. I think Brighton is just like this this beacon that we all look at at the moment and see if they can sustain. It's interesting. Uh, Terence says we've got rose glasses on again. I mean, we are eighth in the Premier League, Terence. We just spent 15 minutes discussing where we were two years ago. So I think we should be allowed to be happy and optimistic personally let yourself enjoy life terence <laughs> exactly i'm enjoying it. i'm enjoying it we're going to man city you know on saturday and yeah we might get something who knows but even if we don't lots to look forward to lots to look forward to right uh any other business any last words before we depart emily no no i'm all good thank you good me too nothing to add uh as it stands temps anything you want to say before we depart no, I've 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 said my piece, Matt. I um I, I'm still I'm, I don't mind being accused every now and again of being a bit of a a, a happy clapper because we've 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 watched some dross, haven't we, to 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 get to this point. So yeah, look, unapologetically, I I do feel a big loyalty to Cooper. I do feel a bit of loyalty to the the boys that have come through. Change, excited about people like um, Sangare. What do I want to see? I think I want to see our, our best 11 available and select, selected. Uh, and that that probably does mean the return of Felipe. It does mean um, a, a fit near Carte consistently do it, doing it. It probably means finding a way to get Danilo in, in this side as well. But yeah, these, these are great times for Forest fans. So don't be a Terence. Allow yourself to enjoy it. True. I should just add one thing before we go because it's a relevant thing. Uh, Owen's asked this a couple of times. I'll take that playing at the city ground. I don't know what everyone says they are after the banner was, uh, the logo was put on the side of the stand. If they are, Emily, you'll be there. I'll take it. I'll be front of the queue. Yeah. I, about Just before we came on today, I was checking if it had been announced, but it hasn't. But yeah, I'll be there. So yeah. Uh, Greg oh, was there last night. Can we set up my glass? I'll say Greg was there last night because Laura wanted to go and get down the ground with her sister to see, to see God knows what. It was, it was, you know, Gary Barlow going to be tuning up the band or something. I it's don't not know. the version. It's not the version she's telling. I think Greg fancied himself as a bit of a Jason <laughs> Orange. He can't sing, but he's happy to dance at the back. True. Well, he's already Scott McKenna, isn't he, uh, when people uh, comment on here. So he might as well be Jason Orange as well. Right, we shall be back on uh, Monday reviewing the City game in the company of Greg, Mikey and uh, Asha Ali. is going to join us, the Forest fan and actor. He's been on here before, a really good guy. Uh, watch his episode if you haven't seen it. Right, uh, in the meantime, Emily, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Temps, thank you. See you soon, guys. Uh, enjoy the weekend. And as Temps says, see you soon. <laughs>